We talked about urine and semen, and we're like five minutes in. Hello, friends. Welcome to Jubilee Street, a Nick Cave podcast. Every week, Jake Curtis and myself, Ian McCurtis, talk about a different Nick Cave song. This week, it is Idiot Prayer. Idiot prayer. What is the word for like a phrase that's, is it an oxymoron? Not an oxymoron, but to me, idiot prayer is like a really interesting grouping of words. It kind of, they both cancel each other out in a way to me. A turn of phrase. Turn of phrase. This song is the 10th song from the Boatman's Call album. I am just making that up that it's the 10th song. I think that's right, though. I'm not looking. I will check for you. I believe it is. It's towards the end of the album. Don't look it up. Who cares? Everybody's got Spotify. It's It's towards the 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 11th song. Or no, it's the 10th song. You're right. I was pretty. Oh, hey. We're on the money. Uh, (laughs) I was just worried this week. I got to say, when I was doing my research, I listened to the song like five or six times Mm -hmm. in a row last night. I also started listening to uh, Grinder Man, the first Grinder Man record. Uh, it's fucking oh, awesome yeah. so far. I I honestly am liking it a little really more cool than the songs. Hear, it's really cool to hear him play guitar because I don't think he ever plays guitar in the bad seats. So it's just it's a, much a, more like a different thing. It's got kind of that Jack White like garage rock like Ty Seagal kind of sound to it. There's a lot oh, of like yeah. lo-fi guitar Never work of going that, on. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was a little worried doing my research because the first thing that came up when I Googled Idiot Prayer was Porcupine Tree. And I was like, oh, shit, we're going to become a Porcupine Tree podcast. What? Prog Rock. I know Prog what? Rock, the, the what two is words you can't tree? hear. They're like a a doomy, like Prog Rock band, like metal band. Um, you know, I've never heard of them. The kind of shit you'd hear from those guys who wore those like fabric wristbands in high school that said like, Converge or like Blink-182 or something on it. Yeah, you know, so they have a song is, called Is King Prayer. Crimson... Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But it's not a cover? It's not a cover. I looked it up. Uh, it's is King, a... Crimson... <laughs> King Crimson's a, like a prog rock band, right? They are. They're kind of along with like um, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer and uh, so Camel. And Robert Fripp is the guitar player, right? Yeah. Okay, so he's one of uh, like Nick Cave's heroes, and you just brought up Grinder Man. There's a Grinder Man song, Heathen Child, and there's an alternate version with Robert Fripp on guitar. That's really cool. That's one really awesome thing about Nick Cave. Like just for him alone to be benefiting from his like, you know, his music blowing up is that he got to work with basically all of his heroes: Johnny Cash, Robert Fripp. Uh, True. The the list goes on. Um, I would love for him. He does all those movie soundtracks. If he did a soundtrack with Brian Eno, that would be how cool would that be? I'd I'd love to see him like do vocals over a Brian Eno like instrumental or something. Maybe. Oh, you know what? I yeah, bet it, it's it's weird they never work together. Yeah, I, I I would also love to see Nick Cave work with like One O Tricks Point Never, like the kind of scores he does for Uncut Gems and Good Time, but Nick Cave working on it too. I have a couple dream projects of his 
that I would like to see. One is like if he just did a straight up like hardcore punk record, like worked with Greg Ginn from Black Flag and just did a weirdo hardcore record and he just screamed over 30 minutes of fast music. And then another, I don't, I don't know why I might, it might be because I got into him at the same time, but if him and Chelsea Wolf did like a joint LP together, be so cool. Yeah. It'd be cool to see them just do like an album. That's just like him on piano, her on guitar, no, no percussion and just vocals. Yeah, it's like the old, the old like goth god and the new goth god. They could call it like Nick Wolf or Chelsea Cave, both great like cool names for projects. Chelsea Wolf, if anyone who li- who's listening is a fan, just started this new group that's called Miss Piss, and it's awesome. Great name. I hope it's like I hope the yeah it's like. The first record is really aggressive. I I feel like Chelsea Wolf's always heavy, but this is just like aggressive, mad Chelsea Wolf. Her music's never seemed angry to me personally. It's very like, it's honestly similar mood wise to Nick Cave. It's just, you know, got a much more like gothy kind of darkness, like super reverbed out. Way more metal. Yeah, metal. That's a great way to put it. Um, but I'd like to see the cover of that first Miss Piss record because if it's not like Miss Piggy with a bunch of chains and like, uh, what is it like spike like a spike collar on and you know she's got Kermit and like oh, a gimp suit. Uh, look it up right now. The album cover. I'll describe it to anyone listening. You should also look it up. It is a woman who is kneeling down and peeing, and then the pee is like rolling out on the floor and it's spelling Miss Piss. Uh, I think it will become a iconic record cover. When did that come out? This year? Yeah, just a couple months ago. It's very like crust punk looking, which I love that aesthetic. Yeah, that's probably the best aesthetic ever, I think. That or like a Scrams aesthetic. I can't find but this the record right now, but your description podcast. was... Oh, I see. I see the cover now. So good. It's hilarious. But this isn't a Mrs. Piss podcast. It's a Nick Cave podcast. And we're talking about Idiot Prayer. This is for you, my love. Boom, 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 boom. So I think, I don't know, my first thoughts about this song generally are that it sounds unfinished to me. Interesting take. Care to it's elaborate? Like, yeah, so it's the song is like the same part over and over again for the whole song, which I guess isn't that weird, but it's like the same part that repeats itself like six or seven times, the same like chord progression. There's no verse or chorus, it's just one part. The instrumentation doesn't really move that much. The violin part, you know, comes in and out. And then there's just something about the way that some of the lyrics are delivered that is kind of awkward to me. Like, like the part, uh, if you're in hell, what can I say? You probably deserved it anyway. Like the syllables hit not gracefully, which is not really something Nick Cave ever does. Like some of the lines sound awkward, which is very out of character for him. And I don't know. It just sounds like I'm, I'm guessing all this was on purpose to add to the feel of the song, but it just sounds kind of clunky to me. I don't know. 
So sort of a different take on it is I think that the song functions perfectly with that sort of, it just kind of ends. Like it doesn't build up to anything. Like there's a little bit of an instrumental part for the mm-hmm. last 30 or 40 seconds. Um, going off of the title alone, a prayer is a futile act because no one really knows if it's going to do anything for them. And unless they've constructed this idea of an act of God, a prayer is solely a selfish act for you to feel better. Sort of like a, like a confessional booth where, you know, you're, you're like, Oh, I like, you know, masturbated 20 times the other day. I need to get that off my chest. And you know, 20 times in one day, you're just so raw and you're like, I got to go see the pastor. I got to get this off my chest. I hope this isn't a true story. And what you have to get off your chest is just this puddle of semen because you've masturbated 20 times and you're just like oh Jonah Hill and super bad. You're just shooting it upward into your belly button. You keep missing. It hits your chest. And I have a hairy chest, so we it just all gets stuck about, in there. Uh, we talked about urine and semen and we're like five minutes in. Let's wait a minute. Go. Where am I? I blacked out for a second. Am I not at my church right now confessing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, this is my pod. This is my podcast. Um, Ian, I imagine with Idiot Prayer kind of going off the sort of futility sentiment of a prayer is in this song, mm-hmm. Nick Cave, in more ways than in the past songs we've talked about, is punching God in the face. He is surrounded by stained glass. He is he is like trying to get the attention of something. And the song is repetitive and monotonous because to me it's just him banging on like like a gorilla banging on the the plexiglass or the plexiglass at um the zoo he's just trying to get this person he's speaking to to listen to him never harambe um and all of the lines my favorite line is in verse the second verse and it's like they're gonna pass me to that house above is heaven just for victims my dear and what like this is one of my favorite lyrics in the songs we've talked about and reviewed thus far because what a slap in the face to people who like work their whole life to being good people and then he just says they're victims like you being given to heaven it's like you're handing something like to somebody who played the victim their whole life like they're a victim to Mm -hmm. what do you think about that line i don't know i thought about like I just thought about how anytime a tragedy happens to someone, we like glorify that person. And like, even if they weren't a good person, we pretend like they were. Right. Uh, maybe not so, maybe not so anymore in the past couple of years, but like traditionally, even if a shitty person dies, like let's say, you know, my um, brother who's a t- horrible person who doesn't really exist, but just for the sake of this dies and then my whole family's like oh man he was the best of the best only the good die young it's just like things we say um so i took that's how i've always heard it like uh anytime someone's a victim we make them out to be a good person even if they weren't right and but, what i found uh, with in a- the, the way the cult the way culture is going the past couple of years i don't know if that's really a thing anymore but through most of our lives it has been there's a annotation for that line here to sort of close off your point uh, from the song Hold On To Yourself, which I believe is on the same record as uh, Boatman's Call. 
And the line is, I'm so far away from you. I'm pacing up and down my room. Does Jesus only love a man who loses? And the annotation says, if people who commit crimes are prevented from entering heaven, does that leave heaven full of victims? Uh, kind of an interesting take on the line. Um, I'm sure that, that all the people that would be entering heaven aren't victims, and I don't think he's implying that. But Well, it might also be like to be heavenly, like in the traditional, like, you know, bullshit Christianity sense of heavenly is to like abstain from like, you know, pleasure pretty much, abstain from sex, abstain from like gluttony, like all these things that would bring you happiness. So it might just be like you're a victim of you made yourself a victim by like not enjoying life to its fullest because you wanted to make sure you got to heaven when you died. Yeah, it's well, it's it's that's a great point because you know I was talking about you uh, with you earlier about like you know my sort of personal goals right now with writing and stuff like that, and I think we all kind of get born into this world. Um, not all of us, but you know I kind of got told as a kid by my dad to sort of like keep a low profile, don't be noticed, and you know I took that to heart so much that I never let myself win anything like if I had to do like a foot race at school, like we were trying to run the, like a mile in 10 minutes. Like if I was about to beat somebody, uh, I wouldn't like, I would let them win. Like, cause I, for some reason I didn't want to win. I, I, in a spelling bee, you know, I would know how to spell a word and it'd be like the final round. It was me and this other kid. Mm-hmm. And for some reason I was like, ah, ugh, I don't want to win. Um, and I like misspelled the word purposefully. Like I knew what I was doing. Can you imagine being 10 and just like not wanting to win something? Like even if it's just like a plastic like wind-up toy, like whatever they have at school that they got out of some like bargain bin. And the reason I bring that up is like that is not a way to live. You should live to be successful. Like no matter how like that's – that might be similar to like a capitalistic kind of mindset, but like fuck that. Like if you want to play music, like don't be a victim to like – your circumstances like you can like save up get a laptop it might not be that easy for everyone so get a guitar get a like a find a little like keyboard like it's accessible even if you have a smartphone you can play music on your phone and yeah i I don't think as like right now the korg has like free synthesizers you can download why be rewarded with heaven why be met by the angels if all you did was twiddle your thumbs until you were 85, drinking a cold glass of milk every morning, and, you know, live a mediocre life? And I think that that's sort of what he's grappling with here. And I think he was in the throes of quitting heroin by this point. Um, yeah. Is if you're in heaven, then you'll forgive me, dear, because that's what they do up there. If you're in hell, then what can I say? You probably deserved it anyway. I guess I'm going to find out any day. So to sort of switch gears a little bit, make a connection, I I was trying to find a little more extra information about this record. So uh, Pitchfork did a write-up on, like, uh, they did, like, you know, he has a lot of records, so they grouped in this, Murder Ballads, and, like, uh, what else was in there? No more shall we this part. Murder, maybe yeah. Let let love in. Murder ballads. Boatman's call, and then no more shall we part. And they kind of grouped them in here. And I wrote down a good quote. I was going to read. Uh, 
we bring up religion and like allegory and God a lot because Nick Cave uses that language and those ideas a lot, those symbols. And I always wondered like why, like, because I'm not that religious. Um, but they brought up a really interesting point, which is that he uses religion as a refuge for the lonely soul. And there's a lot of loneliness in this song too, which a prayer is also a lonely act. You can only really pray by yourself. Like you can pray in a group of people, but mm-hmm. your prayer might be individual to like, my mom has cancer and I pray to God that I get an answer about why she got it and not me. Like fill in the blank there. Like It's a personal, it's a private thing. It's a private thing, but I love that he, like it, there's nothing that's not in, like important with the way that Nick Cave like writes his songs and his lyrics and his words with his song titles, like idiot prayers. Like that's why I said that sort of grandiose image of him, like slapping God across the face is it's like, make up your fucking mind, God. Like, where am I going? Like, you know, what's the point of love? Like why not love? Because in the end, all we end up doing is thinking about like where we're going to go. So why not like go for it? That's sort of the idea and the the message I got from this song. I definitely agree with that. I love this song lyrically. I also, you brought up that one line you loved. I love the line, your silent mouth, mouse, yes, dear. I just love I wrote the, that down. Using the word mouth twice in a row like that. I love it. It's kind of like when a when a rapper rhymes with the same word twice. Like yeah. sometimes I really love that. Uh, it's just like, it looks wrong written down on the page, but it sounds so good. But yeah, I love this song lyrically. For me, the thing I don't love as much is the, is the repetition, how there's no, there's no second part. It's just the same part over and over. And I think that gives it a droney quality. And I generally just don't like droney music. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's the only thing for me. It's more of like a personal preference. I did finish reading the his dark materials books yesterday which is a book series that is essentially about literally murdering god so it felt very like prescient that we talk about this song this week because it's also like you said kind of a fuck you to god or the idea of god yeah um isn't uh there a show on hbo that has the little girl from logan in it yeah, they did um I haven't I've only watched the first couple episodes. I think the first season just covers the Golden Compass and I think each season's going to be a different book. You know, I think those books are huge in Europe, but they never really hit in America like Harry Potter did. But I think it's just as good as Harry Potter. I get why maybe it didn't hit because like I said the book is literally about murdering God and I could see a lot of church groups probably made sure that that book didn't get spread around but yeah what a i mean great series the churches hated harry potter and harry potter like my my way like more subtle about religion my um mother-in-law i guess or girlfriend's mom uh however you want to say it she loves harry potter and she goes to church like every well she's not going now because of covid but she would go to church every sunday so you know different strokes for different christians i suppose well i mean Harry Potter, not to get off too much, but Harry Potter is like 
an allegory for yeah. Christianity. Like J.K. Rowling is a pretty big Christian. I mean, come on. As soon as she threw the Phoenix in there and all that stuff, I mean, magic is like... And Harry Potter, like at the end of the book, sacrificing his life to save the wizarding world and then he gets essentially reincarnated you know it's basically I forgot about a jesus that jesus figure i mean it is a jesus figure every single like and she was very clear about that i'm excited to hear more we'll talk more later about his dark materials i i, I am always interested in checking out new fiction books and stuff um kind of going off that line the uh your silent mouth mouths yes dear dark red and big with blood uh, that you liked, I made a note there mm. and kind of felt like this was going past the sort of punching God in the face idea we've been going with. I think that this is the moment where our Nick Cave narrator is noticing that death is at hand and that he and whoever his, I'm going to assume his lover are on their way or one of them is leaving and one's getting left behind and there's a lot of questioning in this song. I think that the emphasis on blood in this line, and it's close to the end of the song as well, where it's a little bit more about like, you know, love deer is strictly for the birds. We each get what we deserve. And it's a nice little lead into, I think it's why the song feels incomplete because I think in the same way that, uh, a lot of people didn't like the ending to the Sopranos because it just blacks out like Tony's mm. in a cafe with his family and they're eating dinner. It's like a moment of like calm, but there's like anxiety to it. Cause the whole show is just built around like Tony, like killing people or letting people get killed and you know, all this criminal stuff. And nobody really likes the idea of just blacking out. I think that's why death's scary. And I think that's why I, I actually really like this song, especially the more we talk about it, it's kind of made it a little bit, more impactful, but this is one of my favorite songs we've talked about because it's the one time where I felt like there was a lot to do with sort of this simple, almost like cliche at times lyrics. And I'm always fascinated by the fact that I think Nick Cave can write lyrics so well, but they're never too grandiose. They're never too like overpowering or underpowering. They're like, he gets his message across and it's still impactful without being like, overly simplistic or too wordy or pretentious. Yeah. I mean, I think he comes from the like Leonard Cohen, Patty Smith school of songwriting where like most of the time and emphasis is put on the lyrics and yeah, I mean, I think he just, there's some songwriters that will write a song in five minutes. I don't think Nick Cave is that guy. Like I think he is uh obsessing over every single line getting it exactly what he wants to be so I, yeah i think it's all very deliberate i think he's obsessing over a lot of this stuff i can imagine him in the studio i found this uh i've been looking at posters to put up behind me whenever we add our video component because i want to have like a nick cave poster mm -hmm. um and there's this cool photo of him like and he's sitting on a couch but it's covered with like paper and books and there's a little ukulele or guitar behind him and mm -hmm. it's a really cool image because it kind of makes me think about how I feel like his mind works where it's like, it's this messy place with all these like ideas and he's kind of placing everything. And there's every, there's all these little pieces to the puzzle. And, um, I mean, this guy has been doing this for 
40 years, almost 40 years. Yeah. And he has a vision and this song and all of the other songs on Boatman's Call, which I believe from what I like from what I could tell besides Let Love In seems to be the most like universally lauded Nick Cave album from that era. Um I think Let Love In probably gets put a little bit ahead and then um it kind of moves into that like newer era of stuff where the sound changed a little bit. He got a little bit more mm-hmm. uh I would throw murder ballads in there too. I think the nineties in general, he was just like critical dark. I hope we have a murder ballad song coming up because that'll give me a reason to jump into the album a little more. Um, cause I haven't listened to that one yet. But, uh, the last thing I'll say as far as like my ideas on idiot prayer, just, you know, is the idea of the song is paradoxical. It's about purity but it's also about being sacrilegious because there's allusions to sex. There's allusions to killing and death. There's allusions to like, you know, the futility, like I mentioned in the beginning, like the futility of God, but the necessary evil or, you know, goodness that God brings people's lives. And going back to that line about, you know, religion as refuge, like, this life often makes no sense and Nick Cave has an incredible knack for like just calling it for what it is. And yeah, a prayer is idiotic. It's a call out into the void and it often benefits no one or nothing. And it's often selfish, but why not do it anyway? Because wouldn't you rather die, you know, not a victim? So yeah. I really like what you say about the song being a paradox because a couple of different verses he talks about like meeting will meet again, which implies believing in an afterlife. But then the song is also, it seems so mad at God. So there's like two things kind of don't exist together yet. They do in the context of the song. He's got a great way of like manifesting angst Like, I just imagine him in this song, like, going, like, sort of, like, imagine, like, the evolutionary thing where you go from, like, monkey to, like, walking ape. It's, like, it's, like, Nick Cave with, like, Mm -hmm. Chuck Taylors on and, like, clean-cut jeans and, like, a white shirt. He's still got the long black hair. It's just a kid kid version of himself, and he's kicking cans around with his, like, buddy, and he's, like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know about this god shit. Fuck that, you know? And then he's, like, old, and he's doing the same thing, but it's more poetic, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And what were you going to say? I didn't mean to cut you off. I like that. I do want to bring up one moment in the song I really love. So like a lot of the songs on this album in this era, Warren Ellis is just being so creative on violin. And Crushing there's it. uh I think it's like towards the end, maybe the third verse or so, the fourth verse, there's a part where he just starts plucking and it's like, do, 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 like really staccato. Like he's playing the violin like a guitar. And yeah, I yeah, love yeah. it. Is that it's probably my favorite moment of the song instrumentally? Okay, so one of my favorite instrumental parts of the song is right before the vocals come in, and I think it's a guitar. But now that you say that, it could have been the violin. But it's like a, it's like a little He's so fun to watch live. He plays violin like a fucking madman, like just head banging, going nuts. But he does a lot of like, like plucking it, like with his like fingernails, like. Yeah. And it gives it like a guitar effect. So there's a little line right before the vocals come in where it's like, 
milk, something like that, and then it goes into the song. Yeah, and, but it's I think so that's it's so quiet. But I'm not sure. Yeah, there. Like, I think he's calling back to it on violin later, but I'm not sure honestly. That's got to be what it is because I hear it later in the song too, but it's not a guitar. Uh, super shout out to all of the the musicians who worked on this song, but also this record because understated is a word I'm going to use all the time for Nick Cave songs because every single instrument is utilized. It's never overutilized. And the organ on this song is awesome. And it adds even more to that churchy vibe where you could imagine, you know, Nick Cave just getting ordained as a minister and just throwing on the little paper bracelet around his neck. And he just starts preaching because yeah. the organ just adds this like, oh, this like gnarly, like greasy, like quality to the music. And, and the, the violin is just so like, you know, I can just see Warren Ellis is like, you know, his, his, he's, he's playing so hard. His beard hair's falling out over everything. And, <laughs> you know, he's, he's just like, I, I just, between his violin parts, he's just like, crushing a beer can or something i don't know if he drinks but i imagine he's just like uh there was a lot of personnel change around this album i read and a lot of guys who were in the band at the time were leaving and he was and he picked up warren ellis around this album uh Mm -hmm. i don't know if it was before or after or during but they ellis had such an impact on their sound that he stuck around since then and violin just became utilized with all the songwriting up until that point one of the things about the bad seeds that like amazes me is how much restraint they have so like when we think of the boatman's call as an album we think of it as nick cave and a piano by himself but like you said there's so much going on like there's drums in this song there's a guitar there's violin but it's all so much restraint so it feels very intimate. It feels like Nick Cave is just playing these songs at a piano by himself. But it's so much bigger than that because all the other things just subtly going on in the background. I'm almost 30, and it took me up until this point in my life when I'm writing songs or playing in a band to feel okay about not always playing. Like if I'm playing guitar in a song... Most of my life, I felt like I always had to be doing something. If the song was three minutes long, I had to be filling up three minutes of space. And it took me until this point in my life to realize, like, maybe this song, I only play guitar for 30 seconds of the three minutes. And that's okay. That's what it calls for. And I feel like everyone in the Bad Seeds learned that way earlier than I did. That if the song calls for... uh, only snare drum, then that's all this drummer's going to do that song. And it's really, as a musician, I'm sure you know, Jake, like you just want to like riff over everything and go crazy. It takes a lot of restraint to hold back. Yeah, I grew up listening to really technical guitar music. Um, yeah. I mean, in like the college days, I listened to like Maps and Atlases and Piglet and you know, Mountain of Sleep was one of my favorite local bands. And, you know, even they showed a lot of restraint for being such a noodly like rock band. But I learned a lot 
and have I've learned a lot from the Nick Cave songs I've listened to, but also currently like there is nothing that can't be made. You can't make a song better by just like cranking up the guitar licks to like 20 degrees over 10. Like you can make an amazing song and they proved it with, the, I, I mean, I think this song is so good. The more I listen to it, the more it kind of just gets me like pumped up. There's such a kind of like, not like broy, but there's like a like if they play if I, I'm sure he'll play this uh, at the con on the during his performance tomorrow, the uh, idiot prayer concert, but it's gonna be I'm gonna be pumped when he plays that because I, I think it's it's such a great song. Yeah, the more we talk about it, the more you're like making me like it. So I do want to talk about the lyrics. I know we've already talked about them in depth quite a bit. But they feel very off-brand to me. I don't know if you feel that way, but there's like a simple nature to them that I don't think Nick Cave often does. So like in the first verse, you have, will I be seeing you soon? If what they say around here is true, will I bid you adieu? Like a very simple rhyme scheme. And then some of the lyrics are just dark in like a fun way. I don't know if, if you know what I mean. Like, if you're in hell, what can I say? You probably deserved it anyway. Like Nick Cave is often dark, but this is kind of like fun. Um, and it reminded me so much of another one of my favorite bands, the Alkaline Trio, these lyrics, which I probably could not say about any other Nick Cave song. I'm curious if he writes the lyrics before he writes the music. Cause I get the, I get the perspective or I get the idea that he, probably writes most of the songs before the seeds even come in. Like he might work with Warren or um, some of the other guys like in the studio, but I have a feeling he's kind of like a one man show when it comes to coming up with uh, songs for the band. It might be like album by album, like the more rock albums might be written in the room, but I can't see any way like this song had to be lyrics first. Yeah. And I, I I, uh, like what you said about it being kind of tongue in cheek, like, I think that that's definitely implied because the record is so like, like people ain't no good is on this album. And um, I mean, that's one of his most like well-known songs. I like it speaks to its accessibility that it could show up. It could be as like moving as it is uh, because it's all of these, like it transcends the normal Nick Cave stuff. It, he's not just being like cathartically sorrowful and dark. He's, he's like playing with it and like living within it. And I think that that's like why they call the record the boatman's call. It's like he's called to this particular sound for this record. And they all kind of, if, if, if you, I mean, they use an accordion on this album. You could see the, the sea captain from the Simpsons, like singing this <laughs> song, like, and don't tell me you can't. Cause you, yeah, like <laughs> he's like, yeah, the prayer is for you. My love sit on the wings of a dove, an idiot prayer of empty words. Love dear is strictly for the birds. Yeah. And Homer's like, I don't know about that. So, you know, he's just like throwing donuts off the boat, like watching the seagulls, like giggling or something. So, Ian, what do you want to do? You want to rate this? Are you ready to do a rating or 
Uh, yeah, oh. let's do our rating. So I came in uh, intending to rate this a five. Kind of run, run of the mill to me. I really love the lyrics, but again, like the droniness kind of... This has never been my favorite song on the album by any means. I think you, you talked me up. I'm going to go with a seven. Okay. Okay. Seven's you a really score. You really sold me on loving this song more than I did. You know how much I like droney music. I think the more I, I just kept playing it over and over again because the first couple listens, I was like, I'd just be like, oh, it's over. It just felt mm. like it was this like same riff over and over again with a couple of different like organ flourishes and some badass violin, but otherwise. So I think it's that like, what, the, what is this? What is this? A lungfish song? I, <laughs> dude, I love lungfish. Um, I always wish I was listening to more lungfish. um so i think that the drone equality of the instrumental uh sort of sets up the tone for the lyrics because he can sort of tell a less like verse chorus story with his with his vocals and his lyrics sure so it kind of like it kind of comes off like a sea shanty or like a you know yeah let me tell you about my experience with god um, oh man, a pirate church would be so fun to go to. I don't think this is my favorite Nick Cave song we've reviewed, but I'm going to give it an eight and a half out of 10 because I think it could have, I, I would have loved to hear an organ solo. I think that it would have been great to hear Nick Cave and uh, the other guy. I don't know who played, who else played organ. Um, Mick Harvey is listed as playing organ as well, but not on this song. Not on this song. So it's Nick Cave playing it on that song. Um, I would have loved to hear Nick Cave just like let it loose and just fucking rip it like he does the piano. Um, not to if say you, that he didn't. If you took um, the vocals out, I think this is one of the Bad Seed songs that most sounds like it could be a Dirty Three song, which is Warren Ellis's post-rock band. And you could just hear like after one of these verses, how it just like goes in the next one over and over. You could hear just like the drums exploding and a guitar coming in. Like yeah. this could be a post-rock song pretty easily. I do like that about it. I, I think I have yet to hear a post-rock band that would use an organ, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know about the organ. I don't know if Dirty Three uses an organ, but I just this sounds a lot like their stuff to me. Now that I think about it, do you remember way back when I listened to "This Will Destroy You"? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. In your alternate universe, I think they were called That Will Destroy You. And they were yeah, like there's a, a lot of like this and that um, switches. Are, is this and that, what is that, a preposition? A lot of prepositions get moved around. Uh, well, I think that the misfits were called them misfits in your... Yeah, it's like... Parallel I dimension? Like, I feel like here I've learned that saying like, like them Jubilee Street Boys is like kind of like a, a southern thing to do. Yeah. But in my, in my world, it's not at all. You'd just be like... Them people over there, like it's totally. The different. is not. It might not even be an article that, like, like a. It wasn't used as an article in your parallel dimension. I don't think. Like the articles in that was a lot more them, a, a lot more them, them, a lot more they. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Ian gave this one a seven. I gave it an eight point five. Listeners out there, let us know what you rate this song. It can be out of ten, out of twenty. Uh, you know. Nine out of ten Nick Caves, 
nine out of 10 Warren Ellis's, uh, nine out of 10, eight out of 10. Who knows? Who knows? Jubilee. We want to hear from you guys. Gmail.com. We want to hear from you guys. We've already been getting some cool engagement. And I think I speak for Ian when I say that we're just super grateful to hearing from anyone. I don't think that we knew that the podcast would take off that quickly and we'd get so much, you know, interaction. So, you know, we love you guys and I'd like to jump in. I don't, I don't appreciate you speaking for me. Okay. Uh, I would like to speak for myself and I would like to say thank you to everyone. We didn't anticipate so many people, um, (laughs) reaching out and, uh, whatever Jake said. (laughs) Just repeating what I said. I'm yeah. Ian McCurtis. I don't like when people speak <laughs> for me. I just want to wear my Canada mask and pretend to fight crime and white music. Uh, I don't pretend to fight crime. Uh, that's not what I heard from Dr. Manhattan last week. He gave me a call from Mars. Listen. Listen, Damon Lind- Lindelof, if you're listening to this Nick Cave podcast... We'd love to talk to you about Watchmen because yeah, call us up. I, I'm sure you're listening. I'm gonna say I'm gonna go ahead and speak for Ian again and say that we're both huge fans of Watchmen. Ian, well, look, we yeah, we're both huge fans of Watchmen. All right, back to you, Jake. Okay, <laughs> guys, uh, we're gonna plug our links. I'm gonna let Ian go first. Uh, everything I got is at Linktree slash Ian McCurtis. Linktr.ee slash Ian McCurtis. So yeah, guys, check out, uh, Ian started a Substack account. You can subscribe for like newsletters. Whenever he posts something, you'll get an email and you can read. Oh, He's yeah, talking. Just, I wrote a piece about the new Lawrence Arms album. It's on there. Should, got, should have something else coming pretty soon. So that's all Ian's. I'm not doing any of that shit. That's his work. I, uh, so don't send it to me. Don't send it to gabrielha720 at gmail.com. You can check out uh, my music at, um, just type in Gabriel Ha ambient life four is the name of the EP. It came out, uh, this past January. Um, I don't think we've talked about ambient life four on here. Yeah. Jake put that out in like January. That's what you just said, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great, thanks EP. for speaking I've, for me. <laughs> I've listened to it so many times. It's uh, it's, it's what Brian Eno says about ambient music, where it should be something that, uh, I think he says you, something you can put on in the background, but is also really interesting. And it's exactly like that sweet spot where like it really grabs you if you want to focus on it, but it's also nice to listen to while you're reading. If you just want to have something in the background, all of the people that I know personally that listened to it. And even based on the statistics, all really like the first track is the most popular and I think that might be the best one to me after listening to it uh, because the rest of them are a lot more, they were, they were a lot more like what I was doing at the time, like trying to make beats and you can kind of hear that with the drum machine. But the first one, uh, I think it's called coffee cup. Um, that one is just very like free form. And I was like plugging my synthesizer in and out of a tape cassette player and creating all like, there's a Half-Life 2 sample in there that just continues to drone on. Um, My favorite yeah, is I'm, Let It Go. Yeah, I, I like that one too. It's I, I hate to do this to you, Jake, but it's my second favorite song called Let It Go after the song from Frozen, which I legit <laughs> think is a wonderful, wonderful song. 
You know, a uh, fan of the podcast, Mike Stewart, really likes that movie. I have yet to watch Frozen. So I've yet to watch awesome. Frozen, but I love that song. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, guys, folks, Gabriel Ha 720 at Gmail. Gabriel Ha on all streaming platforms. GabrielHa.bandcamp.com, 420. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh Orange Gemini at Orange Gemini underscore on Instagram. If you want to message me or follow, uh, mostly a personal account, but I do share stuff about the podcast on there. We are, we just, uh, paid our artist to make us, we commissioned some artwork for him. So we're going to have an, uh, Jubilee street pod, uh, Instagram page up and running in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. And then we'll have a Facebook page. So stay tuned for that. We already did a, Pod, a, like a, a quick pod talking about the idiot prayer performance uh, Nick Cave did on July 23rd. You should be able to find that. Uh, we're going to put it on YouTube. <sighs> Imagination is a beautiful thing, folks. Uh, that's true. That's all I got for you guys. JubileeStreetPod.com. At gmail.com. Ian McCurtis. Jay um, Curtis. Damon Lindelof, give us a shout out. Depths, Signing off. Your silent mouth mouths, yes, dear. Dark red and big with blood. They're gonna shut me down, my love. They're gonna launch me into the stars while all things come to pass.